This Short Code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Short Code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews. By students, for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to the Short Coat Podcast, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. I'm Dave Etler, proving to you today that there, that where there's a will, there's a way. Come up with a somewhat planned, more or less informative, uh, hopefully entertaining uh, podcast episode. Fortunately, my efforts will likely be surpassed by my lovely and charming co-host this week, including MD-PhD student Elaine Sanduk. Hi. Uh, might as well be an M3. It's Nick Lind. Hello. Uh, just as good as a third year, Emma Barr is here. Hello. And roughly equivalent to an M2, it's new co-host Sally Haberlin. Heberlin. Hi. Heberlin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the show, Sally. What took you so long? Uh, all the slots were filled. Oh, all the okay. co-host slots. Were <laughs> <laughs> I've had true. that problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. I, I'm glad you're here. Um, before we start, glad to be here. Today, yeah. Before we start today, don't forget, listeners, we're having our annual summer listener drive. That's what I'm calling it. Decided. Uh, we're happy with our downloads, and we want, but we want uh, more to stroke to stoke our egos, don't we, Aline? Yes. I mean. Yep. More is always better, uh, and I base my sense of self-worth on the opinions of others, and one way that I gauge the opinions of others is by having more opinions of other people to draw from, to draw my self-worth from. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, like all of us, at some point in our lives, some of us in our teen years, for Dave in his if later years. Yep. I'm senior? What? Did you? <laughs> so listeners, I'm going to bribe you. Uh, share our show on the internet, wherever potential listeners hang out. Med students, pre-med students, high school students, preschool students. I don't care. Share an episode and take a screenshot. Send that screenshot to the shortcoats at gmail.com and I'll send you a free pin that I made myself with my own two hands. It's our logo, lovingly coated with a hard dome of clear resin and then sneezed on by my kitty. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was going to write yeah. sneezed on by me, but uh, I thought in this age of viruses and things like that, maybe that's not a good idea. So I had my kitty sneeze on it. Uh, you can wear it on your shirt, pin it to your backpack, use it as a piercing. Just my way of saying thank you for sharing the world, sharing the show with the world. Share the world. I want to see. Yeah. Do you I want to see piercing. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you use it as a piercing, uh, that would be amazeballs. <laughs> I would love to see I would love to see that. I mean, you know, keep it clean. Well, uh, if, you know, someone could get two and then just send a picture of themselves, what like one in each ear. I mean, how big are they? They're <laughs> they're about <laughs> an inch. So, you know, they're not the biggest. But okay. uh do you have uh, who uh, yeah, I, I guess I need to have somebody model that for me. <laughs> That's a great that I would be really, a great I, selling point. Yeah. What color scheme are they in? It's just it our logo, black and white. Black and white, you know, it's nothing fancy. Um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I would be amazed to see people wearing that on the street. Uh, that would be that would be it the biggest happen. ego stoke of all. So uh, 
Yeah, but you'd have to get two. So you'd have to share twice. Mm. <laughs> I'm not just giving these things away, people. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, do we get one or no, we have to share. We can't. Uh, I, so I would be willing to uh, give them to you because you're my co-host and you help me with the show. You don't, you're not, you don't just help me with the show. You are the show, Sally. Um, <laughs> We're VIP, but, um, right? Yeah, but uh, I haven't made that many yet. So added bonus if you share. Oh, you weren't lying about handmade. I did. I made them. I I 3D printed them and then I lovingly coated them with plastic. Wow. Oh wow. And And the cat really did sneeze on them. Yes. I I I blew pepper into her face. (laughs) (laughs) Torture for each one. Magic ingredient (laughs) for each one. Fishwick is not talking to me. Little, little do we know the cat loves pepper, so it's actually a treat for the cat. I well, <laughs> uh, Nick, Emma, yeah, it's been a while. It's been a little while since I had an M two on the show, and I haven't gotten to ask yet what it's been like doing virtual clerkships. I mean, is it is it as terrible as I think it might be? I mean, are you feeling like transported in some ways back to? Uh, preclinical times, but yes. in some ways not since it's on Zoom. <laughs> exactly, like that's exactly how I feel. Like we were, we got it like this small taste of clinical experience for like eight weeks, and then we were demoted back to being M ones. And I what think you, it's really sad. <laughs> what do you? What do you do? <laughs> um, me, I turn on Zoom and usually work on my embroidery and have a very <laughs> difficult time paying attention. <laughs> yes. That's fair. What do you, what do you do during your Zoom calls? During your clerkships, Nick? Do you yeah. darn socks or uh, <laughs> do other old fashioned things? Now I started uh, like doing uh, Zonky, like the big uh, like step one deck. So oh. I basically do that. And I thought this was some sort of like millennials thing, like some no 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 like a like a like a TikTok or something. So I basically study for step one and then like do uh, like uh, clerkship specific practice questions. And, mm-hmm. and that's about it. I I mean, I like attend lectures that I have to attend and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah. And uh, it was really hard in the beginning, actually. Um, I had my kids at home. Oh, and uh, yeah. I was trying to like manage, and I know Sally has kids too. Uh, I don't know yeah. if she wants to talk about like what that's like oh, uh, right now. But uh, <laughs> yeah, my kids had we had to make the tough decision to send them back to daycare because uh, oh, um, really? my wife is still working full time, and I like almost failed internal medicine uh, <laughs> trying to like manage them and like yeah, it, it was crazy. But um, like things have have been a lot better. Um, since we've Since gotten you a got schedule rid of your and, children. And yeah, we said that's back pretty to much daycare. yeah. <laughs> pretty much the, much the message. That's how it works. Yeah, yeah. It's I been feel a while. like I feel like I've gotten so used to just being in front of my computer all day and like having a flexible schedule that I'm like scared to go back. Like I'm going to be at the hospital for 12 hours. Like yeah. that's crazy. <laughs> and you guys go back. Let's see. I think uh Jill, I mean June something or other, right? July, July, 6th. July 1st. so July first. Yeah, it's the sixth. like after the break, so the sixth. Okay. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I have to say, as somebody who's you know originally when this whole work from home thing started, I was super grumpy and super not into it. And then um, after a while, like at this point, I'm like, you know what? This is pretty. This isn't half bad. <laughs> yeah. I can roll out of bed at nine. <laughs> Well, sometimes I sometimes I look late. at the cl- I, I look at the clock. 
Sometimes I look at the clock at 7.30 in the morning and I think... I would have already been on campus yeah, like for half an hour. And I'm still in my pajamas, probably still in bed. And I think that was another person. Like, I will never be that person again. Right. How do we go back? Yeah. How do we go back? But we will. Yeah. Yeah, We had like, yeah, I've already been in like the hospital for like an hour or two at 730. Yeah. We had a session at 830 a.m. And our clerkship directors were complaining about how early it was. And it was like, well, for real? work we'd be here for three hours already sure yeah yeah uh well um do you feel like you're learning anything are you feeling like you're marking time here in your virtual clerkship i feel like i am learning and i appreciate all the efforts that the administration and clerkship directors have gone to they've really gone through a lot of trouble yeah uh, it's just to do this it's definitely a different learning experience like i feel like i learn by doing and not by like reading and watching things so I agree. I, I, I've used it to kind of brush up on a lot of things that I feel like I didn't get a really good handle on during M one year. Um, so that's been really helpful, but like, it was really weird doing orthopedic surgery completely (laughs) online. Like that. uh, I I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, I got something out of it, but I don't know that I got like, what I wanted out of orthopedic surgery <laughs> as an elective. So, you know, if this yeah. wasn't an audio podcast, we would right now, I swear, be playing that game like, isn't there <laughs> like a virtual reality game like Pretend Surgeon or whatever that's really crappy? <laughs> oh. That would be awesome. You know, I was kind of wondering if someone out there would adapt med school to like VR and like VR headsets would be mm. like the new med school because that, that technology is possible. But well, you know, well, and they were talking of like having us like on an iPad going around and doing <laughs> rounds when I was on IM. Mm-hmm. They like actually talked about like maybe we could like put an iPad on like an IV pole and like take you guys into the room, and that totally never happened. But I feel was... I heard about that too. I feel like when, when my little clinical experience I've had is that they don't remember us when we're there in person. So why would they remember like an iPad on an IV pole? That's <laughs> right. so true. iPad on another show. piece of technology that's even more forgettable than yeah. a med student. Yeah. <laughs> if they do that, oh man, you know, I am not cut out for serious stuff because I would totally dress up that pole as a med student. <laughs> <laughs> I, It'd I, be like the, basically the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> I would not be able to resist the earth. Yeah, the most important thing would be like a dropper to simulate the beads of sweat at yeah. the top of the iPad. <laughs> <laughs> Just pimp it, pimp it, and then put some beads of sweat, some saline on there, and like, oh, look, I can't even tell the difference. Maybe some, <laughs> some tears. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a stutter. I don't know. It'll be nice when we get back that we won't have lectures yeah. that we'll be able to just dedicate, at least in theory, I don't think we're going to have very many lectures or exams. So it'll, it's nice that we're taking that now. Yeah. Then when we get back, it'll just be dedicated time to like learning from patients and, and learning from residents and attendings and all that. So I thought that too, just hearing about how you guys are doing that. I thought, wow, that sounds actually pretty beneficial. So you can just focus on one thing at a time, kind of. Another thing I've noticed about just like online learning and Zoom lectures in general is that when we first started, they didn't make us turn our cameras on. 
And then after a while, they realized, wow, we can like see your faces. And so then they made us start turning our cameras on. And then I had to really start paying attention, which actually did help. But <laughs> that is very clerkship dependent, too. Yeah, it is. <laughs> like, uh, I think uh, neurology. Uh, I had my uh, camera on maybe twice. Oh, but really? like, psych. You have it on for everything in psych. Yeah, <laughs> that's good to know. Those are my next two. <laughs> All right, I uh, I created this virtual background of my um, my family standing behind my chair, uh, <laughs> offering moral support to me while I was on Zoom calls. And uh, I thought I thought you were about to say you created a virtual background to simulate the writing center, and I was like, that is extremely. <laughs> <laughs> So That's they just perfect. stand behind How me. How did you do it? They just stand behind me and they're like, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, I got one just for you, Dave. Yeah. Here. Uh, uh, oh, 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 it's like I'm sitting my, right next to you. My boy. With his microphone. It's like constant laughing. <laughs> yeah. That's professional. Nice. Dave, did you take that picture? That's a great picture. I must have. Where did that picture come from? That was like when the photographer came and took pictures of uh, I I uh, the short coat. No wonder it so. looks professional. That's Somebody right. else did it. <laughs> yeah. I feel like your hair looks did redder we? in it. Oh, maybe. Maybe you, your Tell hair is faded. Maybe the did a little Photoshop magic on there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably the lighting. <laughs> hey, we got a listener question uh, from Logan. So... Spread your auditory meatus open. My name is Logan, and I am going into my senior year of college. I've been listening for a while now, and your recent episode about shame in med school made me write in. You talked about the listener question on shadowing, and I was wondering what your thoughts are on pre-meds feeling like they need an extensive resume for med school applications. Resume. I feel like the list is never satisfying, and it leads to box checking on the app. Thank you. Big fan. You're welcome. Uh, I'm glad, first of all, I like how our episode on shame and medical student identity featuring featuring Lucy Howard seems to have shamed Logan into writing into the show. <laughs> like, oh, I guess I, guess I should write in with my question. I've been a bad boy. That's a good kind of shame. Um, that was a that was a great episode. Yeah, um, really nice work she's doing. Yeah, I mean, I'm not opposed to shaming listeners into buying pins. Yeah, but that's it. <laughs> not buying, sharing our episodes. Sharing our episodes. <laughs> Yeah. Calling in with questions. Shame on you if you don't. Um, yeah, it's no secret we're not a fan of what we call box checking on the application, which our definition of that is just doing activities because you think that they will look good to admissions com- committees. Other than doing the right things that you have to do, like shadowing and volunteering. I mean, you gotta, you gotta check those boxes. Uh, what's the best way, do you guys think, what's the best way to think about your activities? when you're applying. So when I was an undergrad, I met a lot of other pre-meds that did this box check box checking thing and I got really sick of it. So I was like, well, I'm not going to be pre-med. I'm just going to do what I like to do. And if that leads to medical school, then great. If not, if it leads me somewhere else, then I'll do that. And so it ended up leaving me to medical school. So I feel like a lot of the things that are things that you have to do with quotes um, end up leading you to like the things that you would have like you need to do to get into medical school. Yeah. Um, like for example, for volunteering, a lot of people say that you have to volunteer at a hospital. Well, when I did that, I was like stuck in a closet putting packets of paper together and I kind of hated it. Um, and so I did volunteering that was more meaningful to me and that still like worked for, worked for my application. So I feel like you should just focus on things that you really love to do and 
um, you know, you can keep the box checking in mind, but I wouldn't, I don't know. I think that's silly. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think you need like clinical experience and some shadowing. Other than that, like you can do whatever you want to build your resume, like do something that you enjoy, that you're passionate about. Otherwise, it's going to show through on uh, in your interviews and in your personal statement that you didn't do something that you really cared about or you were really passionate about. I, I think that the whole reason people get this idea is because medical school is so competitive. Getting into med school is a competitive process. And it's like, oh, what am I going to be? What's going to make me look great? You know, mm-hmm. it's, I got to do research. I got to do, I don't know. I got to save the world. I got to go to another country. I got to blah, 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 blah. You know, you don't have to do any of those things. Do those things if you want to do those things. Otherwise, do something else. Mm. Yeah, I didn't have any research experience. I was a high school English teacher, so. That's pretty kick ass. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I would automatically, I would automatically admit you into med school when I found that out. I'm like, this person can handle being a high school English teacher. (laughs) Yeah, it was fun. But yeah, I definitely did the the shadowing. You have to have, I think, the clinical. I mean, I hate to say you have to, but. No, no, you do. I mean, there. You do. I mean, unless you already have. I didn't have research. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you already have patient care because you were an RN or something like that. Right. Um, You got to check. You got to check there. There are certain boxes that you do have to check. But as far as like your act, your extracurricular activities, you know, stop it. Or your undergraduate major. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So many. Yeah. It does not need to be a science major. So many people come from the humanities now. Something like 20 percent. I mean, even that's not that important. I mean, you got to get your prerequisites. And so you might have to take extra classes or whatever. Right. Um, Yeah. I mean, I I had I studied culture, anthropology and religion and worked in financial services. So like, yeah, (laughs) there's room for everyone under the medical umbrella. And it's not, you know, it's not just like, they're not looking for people with diverse experiences out of the goodness of their heart. Like it, it materially improves our workforce Mm -hmm. and just like the culture of med school when you have people who aren't just total clones of each other. Yeah. Honestly, you know, something Amy says a lot when she comes on the show, Amy, her, um, who works in admissions. Yeah. She has such, like such a nice philosophy about this. And her emphasis is always on like authenticity. Yeah. And uh, I don't know how, I mean, looking through thousands of applications, I can see how like over time, she's probably the expert at spotting the box checking and like when people are just saying a thing to look a certain way. But it seems like, you know, if you're preparing for a career where you're gonna be advocating for vulnerable people, the common theme seems to be like, pick a cause that you really care about and then craft your application around that. Mm -hmm. So like if, homelessness is a problem, you know, that you feel really motivated to help with or domestic abuse or whatever the case may be. Or, you know, try many different things. That's also okay. But like long-term commitments, you know, doing one or two things for a really long time as opposed to like 20 things for like a couple weeks at a time, depending on the thing seems to be a theme. Yeah, I, th- I think, um, I mean, there's always the, I think as you were kind of implying there, there's always the chance that you don't know what it is you want to do. Yeah. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, um, and, and I, I think in that case, trying different things out is not a waste of time at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think that there's also this idea that I need to be uh, efficient with the things that I do because everything I do is going to, you know, blah, 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 end up on my application. But, you know, I don't think that that's really all that important, especially if you don't know exactly where where your niche is or what your 
you know, I mean, so many people who are in their early 20s have no idea. I didn't know what I, I still don't know what I am. You know, like you guys. A podcaster. Well, I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, podcaster is not a personality either. <laughs> I think like people have these timelines in their in their mind when it comes to medical training and you know, medical training is super long, especially if you want to do like something really niche and you're going to do all these fellowships and everything. But in the end, like there's a lot of people who are probably a lot older than you who have started from scratch and they're doing things like neurosurgery. Yeah. Like I think we have a neurosurgery resident who's in his forties. Yeah. Um, and, and that's uh, old. <laughs> hey. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. it's true. Uh, I mean, that is. You that, said, that, hey, like you're in your forties. Is that. Am I'm I the oldest. That properly? I'm the oldest in the M1 class. I'm 40 or M2 oh, wow. now, I oh guess. Yeah. <laughs> Can you give me some tips? Because I'm several years younger than you, but I certainly look older than you. <laughs> 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 is, it, is, it the, is it teaching high school? Is that what kept you young? Because oh, I will shit, do no. that. <laughs> no, I think it, <laughs> no, well, I think it's the red hair, awesome. isn't it, Nick? Yeah, exactly. I use the red hair to look young, too, because yeah. I'm also one of the oldest in my class. <laughs> you know, one of these That's days, awesome. one of these days, I'm going to I'm going to try just for men gel and <laughs> and see what happens. Like, I've been thinking about You're it. You're a scientist. I, I've been thinking about it lately, not because I particularly want to look younger, but just because I'm like, what would what would that even I don't even remember at this point <laughs> what I looked like when I didn't have a gray beard and gray hair. Mm. <laughs> it would be very interesting to find out like they're called photographs. Yeah. yeah, but, but, <laughs> yeah. You used to take pictures with a thing called a camera and then you would go to the shop and you would drop off a thing called a film. <laughs> but the, I'm half joking and half serious because probably some people listening to this have never yeah. taken a picture with like Dropped a proper off camera. A film. Yeah. 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 True. Remember instant cameras? Those were oh. awesome. Yeah, we had those. the environment. Awesome. We had yeah. those at our wedding. <laughs> oh yeah. Or disposable cameras, yeah. That, yeah. All the yeah. all the cool weddings had those. Yeah. 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 The, you know, the Polaroids. Yeah. Yeah. So I I actually this is getting way off topic, but I I bought one of those instant film cameras recently. I love it. I absolutely love it. Like uh, like a what kind of instant film camera? Like a Polaroid style? It's like a it's a Polaroid. Yeah. yeah. You're a hipster. I got a <laughs> man. Let me tell you. I, I can't get over how terrible I look in HD and I just, some, some people are not, yeah, there you go. Yeah. The Instax. That's really nice. Oh, she's a hipster too. <laughs> no, it's my, it's my kids. Oh, your kid is a hipster, a four year old yeah. hipster. <laughs> what do you really do with fun. the pictures, Aline? Why you don't, you don't What's put that? them on a hard drive and never look at them again. Oh, wow. <laughs> there are that's literally... what you're supposed to do thousands of pictures i have never once looked at right in fact mainly the pictures i take with my phone are lab things that i don't want to forget yeah, like yeah, yeah notes from my lab notebook but yeah yeah there's something i was in public this is also kind of off topic but i like a few months ago i was in public and i overheard a child asking their parent what the sound is that the iphone makes when it takes a picture <laughs> and I was like, mm. oh my gosh <laughs> Like the aperture closing, like that. Yeah. I think that's what it stimulates, yeah. right? Right. Wow. Well, even like di dialing a phone, like I'm sure that kids these yeah. days don't know that you actually had to like 
Oh yeah, the rotary. <laughs> I don't dial. know how to. I don't know how to describe that, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds crazy. Well, carbon copy when you CC someone oh, yeah. on mm-hmm. email that comes from typewriters and huh. the save mm-hmm. button on a computer. Yeah, like the, the floppy, the floppy disk. disk. <laughs> Who's seen a floppy disk in like thousands of years? <laughs> well, okay. Well, this was a bummer anyway, so. Um. <laughs> I guess our message, Logan, is uh, don't grow old. Yeah. Uh, that's number one. Uh, and do number, whatever the hell you want to do. Do. What, do what you want to do. Because someday you will grow old. <laughs> you know, I take it back. I take it back. Those those symbols are enduring because that technology was Awesome. Let's yeah. go with that. There you go. <laughs> Anti-bummer. Yeah. It was awesome that you couldn't save more than 1.44K. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so Logan, uh, no, I think you're right. Box checking sucks. Uh, that whole attitude of like, oh, I got to fit in a bunch of activities because admissions committees won't even look at me if I don't. And stop worrying so much. Just be cool. Be cool. <laughs> right? Be cool like Emma. Yeah. <laughs> let's do let's talk about some news. Uh COVID-19 has changed the medical education world once again. I've at never least. heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please yeah. enlighten us. Yeah, get me up to speed here, Dave. We never change. Yeah. We never talk about COVID-19 on the show. It's never never done. Uh, yeah, it's changed the medical education world again, at least temporarily. This week, the USMLE, the United States Medical Licensing and Examination Program, announced that the Step 2 CS licensure test will be suspended for the next 12 to 18 months, proving yet again that another ritual of modern life isn't really all that necessary. <laughs> uh, step 2 CS tests interpersonal skills Spoken English proficiency and integrated clinical encounters, by which I think they mean, I don't know, integrated clinical encounters. I guess your physical exam skills. I don't know what that means. Mm. Uh, They'd already begun working on a new exam that took into account developments in medicine, like telemedicine and things like that. But then uh, COVID-19 struck and everybody had to stay home and blah, blah, blah. According to a May 26 post on their website, due to the complexity of the exam and the psychometrics involved in scoring they decided that they could not roll out their revised testing platform in time for the coming year so they just suspended it for the next 12 to 18 months that's crazy that's a big hey uh, that that's awesome for all the people that won't have to take it uh because that thing's like a cash grab (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah step two clinical skills cost thirteen hundred dollars Wow. Oh, and that wow. doesn't include travel costs, right? Because yeah, you can you only go take somewhere it... to do it. Yeah. And... Like what? Six six locations in the yeah. country yeah. or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I just love that that is called off. I hate my whole life I've hated crap and I've always wanted to cut the crap. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I love crap. <laughs> <laughs> I, and by the more, crap, the more I mean... bullshit things I have to do in my life, you know, like uh uh I don't know, like Going to the DMV after you've already been to the DMV because you forgot to ask for the real ID thing and they didn't think to offer it to you. Love that. You know? (laughs) I love taking off my shoes at the airport. (laughs) 
Um, there is some part of me when I hear that news that uh, step to CS is canceled that like is a little bit hesitant. Like, like they're making sure that doctors can do these like clinical skills and like evaluating you on physical exam and like I think note writing and a few other things. And I feel like it should kind of be standardized across all medical schools. Like we do it in our medical school and I actually kind of enjoy those experiences because you feel like a mini doctor and you're like, look at me go. Um, Yeah, this is a good point because they wouldn't have, you know, we wouldn't have a, uh, a standardized patient program here at the College of Medicine if the licensing test hadn't been made in the first place. That's the whole reason we have this. Not because we were like, oh, you know what we need is practice before we actually see patients. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, it, it, it definitely had that benefit. I mean, it forced medical schools to do something that they weren't doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but couldn't that be done another way so that it's not as difficult for, and I, I mean, it really sets up a lot of barriers for students. Like, especially if you don't have the means yeah. to pay that much, you're taking out more debt mm-hmm. that, yeah. then you're paying back. Yeah. So in, in, like if accreditation was dependent upon having one of these programs. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, yeah. then we would probably bitch about that. But, you know, you know, I never take away anybody's God given right to bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do see the utility, though, um, even though it's very expensive. The concept is not a bad one med school curricula vary enough that you can't transfer med schools that we maybe we we do need something to kind of standardize across programs to make sure everyone's you know not being trained better or worse but at at least meeting the same basic requirements so yeah yeah the 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 accreditation doesn't tell you how to do things it just makes sure that you're doing it so yeah yeah so for the next 18 months no one will be tested refunds will be issued for those who already paid for their exams, which for the 2017-2018 testing cycle, 95% of North American MD students pass on their first attempt, and almost all of them pass on their second. Um, which is another how- another reason why people are like, well, why is this necessary if most people end up passing? I was going to say, I find it interesting that, like, we consider a test invalid if, like, some number of people aren't failing it. Like, can't, can't we just be half glass full about it and be like, look how great we all are. Yeah. We're all passing this test. As opposed to being like, oh, it's too easy. We need to make it harder so some people don't pass. Yeah. I say that all the time about the M1 curriculum. Like, I think that they think if people do too well, they didn't do a good job teaching. But that doesn't make any sense because you have this group of way above average intelligence people working their butts off. You're Mm -hmm. teaching your butt off. How do we stratify you? How do we determine what your career is going to be for you? How do we put you in a category? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong. I do think it's, they actually have certain numbers of people that they have to put in like the honors near honors pass fail category and like probably not far fail i don't fail, think we want but, a certain percentage know. to fail <laughs> no i was gonna say yeah <laughs> but like not everyone can be at the very top and we have to apportion them out it's weird i can't wait silly i can't wait well okay we'll move on <laughs> well you can you not wait for it? now i have to know yeah <laughs> i know can't wait. i can't this. wait to move on Oh. <laughs> I can't wait until we get a vaccine. 
for this novel coronavirus. Oh. It's going to take a while. I know that. If you're the president, we'll have one by the end of the year. And if you're other people, it will take <laughs> at least 18 months. But only half of Americans say that they'd even get vaccinated if the effort succeeds. Uh, according to a poll, 31% weren't sure they would get vaccinated. 70% say they're worried about a rushed vaccine's safety, fearing that it wouldn't have enough time for safety testing. Although the NIH is, you know, sort of obviously planning for testing the leading candidates in many thousands of people. Um, which is something I hadn't really, I mean, I, I hadn't really thought of like, okay, well, somebody... Somebody out there, we won't mention his name, somebody out there is like, we'll have a test by the end of the year. So, or you could just drink bleach. Yeah, well. Or shine yeah. light into your mouth. Inject which will also bleach. cure you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of it in terms of, like, safety testing. I was just thinking of it as being very unlikely that we would have a candidate. Um, but there are people out there apparently going, eh, you know, I don't know if I want to do that without testing. Look, there's there's no way that they would approve a vaccine without testing it, for sure. Yeah. And, yeah, I've heard a lot of people express concerns of, like, well, how do I know that this really, like, no one wants to go first. But the thing is, and that's understandable, but other people have gone first. Like, those are the people that this is tested on to make yeah. sure it's safe for everyone else. Yeah. Suck so. it up. I'll go first. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll even you know, go I'm, a second time if I need. Uh, Nick, sorry, you were going to say something. Oh, I just said line up, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to, I'll put a tent outside the, the place as though I was getting an iPhone. <laughs> uh, I, I kind of just, worry that like, if there were anything to go wrong with the new vaccine, that it might be fuel for like, anti-vaxxers and they don't need fuel i know <laughs> and so i'm they're, like worried they're that like that a perpetual like a perpetual motion machine of opinions basically but Doesn't you know matter. what they've been they've been pretty uh pretty low-key they've been pretty quiet through all of this i think probably mm -hmm. because of the social backlash of uh of like going after people, like too many people have died, I think, for anyone to step up and be like, yes, good, I want natural immunity. Um, yeah. But that, that's one thing I noticed. I was kind of watching for that because I was, I was thinking some people would come forward and say, no, 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 I don't even want the vaccine. And but personally, I have heard people say like, I want to develop natural immunity. So they're trying to catch it and then survive it. Mm -hmm. But it's too deadly. It's... Mm. It's very deadly. But that's an interesting point, Emma. I was thinking the same thing. Like, what if it goes wrong and now people are like, see, they are dangerous. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the CDC this week came out with a report that basically said, um, it basically undercut the WHO's um, numbers on lethality, um, saying it was like a half a percent of people infected. Um, and so now there's some controversy about, about that. Is the CDC doing this because of politics? Because we have, we're, because the world is crazy and weird now. Um, can you, can or you they flesh that out a little bit? Well, I didn't write a percent? A, so basically oh. people who get COVID, a half a percent of them die. Oh, but we don't really know how many people have had COVID. So that's just kind of a, 
an estimate. Right. We don't know exactly how many people have been infected at all because our testing is, um, at least here, is not very strong. But well, I guess we probably don't know how many people have died because <laughs> our oh for sure for sure <laughs> yeah well we're a not lot really of people yeah a lot of people I think have you know it's chaotic and I understand that and so not not all death certificates reflect the actual cause of death so a lot of people are like especially at the beginning I think have been listed as dying of pneumonia which mm. might have been you know COVID induced but mm. we we just don't know that and vice versa I think some people maybe are dying of the flu but we thought it was COVID so yeah our record keeping of, not great there have been several articles out recently on you know tracking all deaths uh with like COVID deaths and then comparing that to prior years and just to kind of run home that point that we, we are missing COVID deaths because the spike in all cause deaths is way higher than it is in previous years. Um, and it's higher than just the increase of COVID. Like it's, it's just higher oh, across the board. So 0.4% well, is what the CDC now says. Overall mm -hmm. mortality rate their best estimate hmm. so uh well anyway back to the vaccine thing for those people willing to accept the risk a poll found that the top reasons were to protect their families and communities um and although black and hispanic americans are more vulnerable to that's a hard word vulnerable to COVID 19 25 <laughs> percent of blacks and 37 percent of hispanics say they would get the vaccine 56 percent of whites would want vaccination so oh interesting yeah not great like i say i'll get it's it it's scary you want me it's scary you want me let me know i'll be part of it <laughs> just find find the building where they're doing the research and just like lift your sleeve up and be like here it is yeah <laughs> come and get it <laughs> meanwhile the u.s census right Bureau, here what's that yeah bring it I said, on right here t-cells fresh for the taking your largest needle sir <laughs> Fresh for the stimulating, I should say. But yeah. Meanwhile, the U.S. Census Bureau started an emergency survey of Americans at the end of April. I didn't realize this. Uh, within the survey were standard questions used by doctors to screen for mental health problems. 42,000 Americans responded. Overall, 24% showed symptoms of major depressive disorder, and 30% showed symptoms of generalized anxiety disorder. Uh, with one of the questions on depressed mood doubling in positive responses since before um, this crisis. Which I have no trouble believing as I have vacillated myself between like and whatever. Yeah. Um, signs of mental health disorders were higher among young, younger people, women, and the poor. Which I think might be true in general. Poverty is a cause of depression yeah. and anxiety. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, New York was 12th in adults with symptoms. Half of Mississippians reported symptoms. And more than a quarter of Iowans were positive for this. Depression. The census doesn't typically screen. No, they uh, added in questions. Yeah, they added in these four. I think it was four questions that doctors use to screen patients for mental health problems. So they used accepted. Interesting this accepted standard question questionnaire as part of it just sort of threw it in there wait this was on like the census that we all did 
this I don't think this is the census that everybody okay. thinks of. Because mm. I don't, yeah, I don't remember those questions. Yeah. And this must have been like a separate survey. Yeah. It was, they described the article described it as an emergency survey, basically. I, I, yeah. So mm. I don't know. <laughs> so we did the research, and uh, the world is on fire. Yeah. And now we have <laughs> people aren't people aren't real happy about it. <laughs> yeah. Says so right here. <laughs> it was really interesting. I was on uh, psychiatry during part of this, and we were following some of the inpatient. Uh, um, like one of the fellows of residence on uh, inpatient service, and I was on uh, the child psych uh, inpatient area mm-hmm. or whatever. Uh, and it, it was interesting because, like, so many, it sounded like so many of the kids were just really struggling with everything that was going on and uh, really scared and, and confused, and their lives were totally disrupted. And it, it it's, I mean, it's hard for everybody, obviously, but it was interesting to hear about these kids who um, many of them have been struggling with mental health issues for a long time, and it's just exacerbating it. Or even some kids who, like, this is kind of the first time they've really started struggling with things. Didn't, so these didn't were... the president of the American Academy of Pediatrics come out and, like, specifically say, Kids have to go back to school. This is really bad for kids in many ways. Oh, I didn't. Hear um, so that. made a so made a very definitive statement. Oh, wow. Um, huh. That you know, psychologically, academically, just in many many ways, this is just is not going to work for kids. And it seems mm-hmm. like Nick saw that firsthand. Yeah. Okay. So these kids, kids that you saw with other people. Yeah. So these kids that you saw, Nick, were they they were inpatients. So they were there because they were having perhaps triggered by they're having issues perhaps triggered by the crisis yeah i mean i didn't see them because i was uh doing virtual clerkships <laughs> oh yeah um, yeah but you heard, you heard so, so i was reading notes and talking to uh, yeah. a fellow you heard tell um so you know this is kind of uh i'm a little distant but you know i uh, look, it, I, I could tell you're struggling with the idea <laughs> of needing to be correct about this but i keep saying that's not what we do here yeah uh i mean i think that most of the kids had some other underlying psychiatric issues anyway but they were having like it sounded like situations at home were really causing them to become inpatient uh when maybe they would have been able to manage things outpatient so. Yeah, domestic violence calls went up uh, a astronomical amount in response to people being stuck at home. Like, like some thirty percent. Insane. Mm-hmm. No. Not yeah. Not every home is safe to quarantine, and unfortunately, yeah. yeah. And that I, that includes kids. I think for some children, school is the safest place in their lives. It's the only place where people care about them. Mm-hmm. It's the only place they get a meal. Yeah. So, yeah, I can understand why the president of the the Peds Association would say, "Hey, we need to figure this out real quick." Yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how school is done in the fall. Yeah. Um, just in general, I mean, never mind universities, where you know, I'm trying to figure out like what like they're planning to bring students back here at Iowa, which is fantastic. I mean, I'm I I miss. Having a, uh, you know, I mean, it's great for parking, 
but <laughs> I miss having, you know, sort of a, you know, a busy community around me. Um, but it's really hard to imagine what dorm life is going to be like. Hmm. Um, yeah. You know, how that's going to, you know, how that's going to work out for, for students. I was going to say disease outbreaks in dorms was a problem before. Yeah. Meningitis you know, was like, it was always meningitis. a big deal. Um, yeah. in, in the mumps. Yeah. The hmm. mumps. Right. I remember hmm. that. Remember when it was just the mumps and meningitis. Those were the, <laughs> were the days. Remember being bored? Yeah. <laughs> You guys, when it's time to practice your patient communication skills, you could work with our patient instructors to do objective structured clinical encounters. Sure, you could do that if you're a sucker. <laughs> For those not in the know, I'm talking about the standard part of medical education these days, as we've been discussing with the uh, USMLE Step 2 CS exam, uh, where people are hired to simulate a patient encounter for students in order to instruct and assess their clinical and communication skills. Um, or if you're listening, United States Medical Licensing Examination Program, feel free to steal, steal this idea so you can get back to torturing medical students sooner. You could just visit the saddest place on the internet, Yahoo Answers. <laughs> you know how this works. I've located some interesting questions posed by Yahoo Answers users, and we'll use them as practice for what you, the kinds of questions you might experience um, working with patients. I know that uh, you, Emma, and you, Nick, had some exposure, but you've probably forgotten it all. Yeah, I don't remember. What's Not a patient? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, uh, let's hear some questions from the real world. Why don't doctors carry tranquilizer guns? Veterinarians do. So you think doctors would? <laughs> that oh, wow. is an excellent question. I, I'm sure there's some docs in the ED that ask that. What? Oh, you don't want to take a seat for your shot? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get you that shot. Yeah. Think about oh. how. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Little kids, they don't, don't want to... they don't want their vaccinations. You know, you just hit them with a sh hit them from across the room. <laughs> when they're not even. Don't you dare run away from me. Yeah. <laughs> In the back? <laughs> and when they don't even child abuse. It. I don't know. I'm not a professional, but that could be yeah. abusive. I don't know. But look, yeah, I think in general, we caught a lot. If you children. talk to a person, there's a decent chance they're gonna at least listen a little bit. <laughs> you might be able to reason with them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know they're, about they're not animals. I don't know about tranquilizers, <laughs> but this could be the secret weapon that will fix all the anti-vaxxer problems. You just don't give them a choice. You just <laughs> um, on the news yesterday, I was listening to, they were just telling about all the things that people are bringing into the hospital when they're going to get treated for COVID. And they're like bringing all these weapons. Like somebody brought like an anvil and like a an hammer <laughs> and like a nail gun. It's like, what are you going to do with that in the hospital? <laughs> what? An an like an actual anvil? I don't know. I didn't like see it, but. you like, <laughs> you know like a cartoon. <laughs> I know. Do they know the thought process? I mean, what? What's the reasoning? I don't know. I think they want to protect themselves, like in case uh, the the end of times comes. Yeah, I think that must be it. I don't know. Hey, I gotta stop ending on the virus. <laughs> you know how before the show? I think it was before the show we were talking about, or did we talk about? Was it during the show today when we talked about um, 
uh, Emma, you doing needlepoint or whatever during your yeah. Uh, Nick, embroidery. This could be what you do blacksmithing during your <laughs> during your clerkships. Like this guy's checking into the hospital. He's like, you know what? I'm not gonna lose this time to, to practice my hobby. I'm gonna bring my anvil and my hammer. I just gotta get this forge nice and yeah. hot. <laughs> Let, let me uh, mute it while I bang on this piece of metal. Hey, is this oxygen a problem? Don't worry, with the don't forge? worry about these sparks flying. <laughs> <laughs> keep going, keep going. <laughs> Hang on, got something red hot here, nurse. Yeah. <laughs> you want to? I just, you know, like you guys have provided me with such great care. I just want to provide. I just as a thank you. I'm gonna give you this shitty hook that I pounded out on my anvil. Thank you. I'm gonna make you the best horseshoe. Yeah. <laughs> or actually, if your care provider is a Game of Thrones uh, fan, just take out a huge sword, swing. Yeah. And just be like, I present you with this sword. Thank you for the care. Yes. Actually, that's not a bad idea. It'd be a great way to get fives on your evals. Yeah. <laughs> Nick, you should get to work on that. I'll, yeah. I'll get to work on that. Every single resident gets a sword. <laughs> That would be so funny. <laughs> and they have to carry it as they do rounds. Yeah. <laughs> they have to name it. This, it's and a it's symbol like of my office and it's as just a like resident. bumping into stuff. <laughs> I already have that problem with my stethoscope. Yeah. Like I, I kind of whack that thing on so many things. <laughs> oh. All right. Let's try <laughs> that was ridiculous. Let's try. Uh, Please leave all of that in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't take any of that. <laughs> try this one. How do I tell my parents I have an ingrown toenail? <laughs> How to tell my parents I have an ingrown toenail? Probably just like that. Just These tell are them. sensitive <laughs> topics. I mean, not every parent is ready for it to acknowledge that their kid has an ingrown toenail. Maybe yes. maybe they're a very anti-ingrown toenail family. Maybe the parents are podiatrists, and they'll be very upset that this person was a closeted ingrown toenail haver for so long. I don't know. Yeah. I think your average podiatrist parent would either be like, walk it off, or be like, oh, exciting. I get to... Right. I guess we yeah. should find out the age of this patient because if they're old enough, they don't even need to tell them and they can just That's go straight true. to the doctor. <laughs> can you imagine they're like 40 years old? <laughs> like, never told my parents about how I just grown to them. What will they say? What will they say? What? I'll have why, to catch it from somebody such... else? Yeah. I'll have to, I mean. Why are people having such strong stances on. Who, who is so anti or pro ingrown toenail? I don't know. Okay, so I'm trying to think about one of my kids doing this, writing that question, and how this scenario could come about. Maybe it could be like they had one in the past, the parent taught them how to properly take care of their toenails mm. and like how to trim them and kept asking them, how are you doing on that? Is it going okay? And the kid kept saying, yeah, 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 yeah. But and then, the because background. I know my kids don't listen to a word I say, so I, <laughs> I would get... You know, I might have a reaction and say, I told you. Sally with the only actual serious answer to this person's problem. <laughs> I'm, I'm only seeking 
to understand. <laughs> yeah. That's what we like and about that you, Sally. And that person who wrote that question will love you for it, as opposed to <laughs> me, the asshole, making fun of them. But. That's why, Sally, your seriousness is, that's why I did not delete your sign-up. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Wait, uh, do you go around deleting yeah, people's signs? No, no, yeah, I didn't know no, that was a thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> Dave's like, ah, I don't want this person on the show. <laughs> That's the real Boy. reason it's been so long for her to get on the show. Right. Yeah. I, I just forgot this time. It was tough. I was like, oh, it's Sally. <laughs> <laughs> How many uh, times have you kicked me off the show? <laughs> uh, that information is highly classified. Uh, I'm just thinking, like, I wonder, you know, like, you could just imagine, like, oh, my, my same-sex partner had no problem with my ingrown toenail. You know, but maybe my parents <laughs> would be really, ah, oh, it's so hard. You know what's um, funny? Actually, I just thought of something. I wonder if, like, uh, in this day and age, you know, do parents get upset when they find out their kids are straight? <laughs> like, have we have we come full circle on the equality cycle yeah. that, like, now kids come home and they're like, Dad, Dad, I'm straight. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. bet there are parents that wish their kid had something, you know, something interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah my, my, uh, was, uh... yeah, why aren't my kids, why aren't, why aren't my kids gay or, 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 I don't know. Why don't they have, why don't they have other problems that I can help with? Right. You know, why you can't can, I show, I, you know, I have never have an opportunity to show my deep understanding of my children. What are we going to Instagram about now? Yeah. I mean, right. what are we supposed to do? And what are our hashtags going to be? Like yeah. middle of the bell mm -hmm. curve? You yeah. know, like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who are they going to influence? Absolutely nothing happening here. Yeah. All right. Let's there try another one. It's really. Oh, all right. You don't want to hear my cool story? That's fine. Oh, we <laughs> Tell your cool story. We'll judge. It's actually a very sad story. I was uh, on Reddit the other day and someone posted, um, about a woman who like was a big Instagram celebrity and uh, for like many years had did you hear about this, I think I might Dave? yeah so uh, it, it like she had uh, adopted uh, a little boy from China who was very autistic and he you know featured prominently in her Instagram posts and then one day he just like wasn't there and people found out that she gave him away to another family yeah, she rehomed him. rehomed him yes. rehoming re 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 a child. Put her in jail now. Uh, wow. Fucking awful. Yeah. Yeah, I did read about that. That's, that's, uh, I don't know what to think about that. Wait, that's why terrible. did she do that? Did she explain? They, they, their ex explanation was that it, he, he was, it was too hard, basically. They, they, he had too many behavioral problems and they didn't know how to, how to deal with it. And, uh, yeah. I guess the person who ended up, um, taking him was a medical professional and they thought that that was a better situation for him. I don't know. Yeah. It's crazy. All right, here's another you know, one. I, I, I'd be a little more forgiving if, like, the woman had not, you know, like, kind of, uh, like, hawked her kid out for likes yeah, on yeah. Instagram. Apparently, yeah, apparently you know? she right. was very into, like, showing her kids on Instagram and how great their lives mm -hmm. were and how great parents mm -hmm. they were and all this kind of stuff, so. Very yeah. odd. All right, here we go. Here's another one. Who is the highest scoring super spreader in the COVID-19 outbreak? That's... What? Who is one the highest time. scoring super spreader? 
Michael Jordan. I think we've just discovered. <laughs> I think we've just discovered a new a new sport to keep us occupied. <laughs> I think that this is our next, you know, esport is con is is spreading COVID nineteen. If you can score high, the next great American pastime. Yeah, for every person you give the disease to, you get a point. And some people just have to be the best at anything. <laughs> You're yeah. really helping them because they're going to get immunity, right? Yeah, spread it to a whole bunch of people today. Got some extra points. Be awesome. You know, this is a little bit off topic, but... Um, How dare you? I'm sorry, but I have to. Um, I don't know if any of you all listen to the New York Times, the Daily podcast. Sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. It's... Uh, it's What's that? Uh, sometimes the news is too depressing, so yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah fair, fair. Um, well, they have a health correspondent that they have on there like every so often um, that they looped in kind of at the start of like the epidemic. And he's had some really interesting predictions. And one of them that he had at the very beginning that I've like been watching kind of like pretty carefully, he had uh, the expectation that like over time, um, like uh, COVID immunity versus non-immunity would become like a social determinant of class where like people who had it and were immune to it would have like greater chances at prosperity because they could move around the world and people who didn't, you know, would lose out on jobs or other opportunity. I thought that was really interesting that like you you would have like a new a, a new factor by which to stratify society, like not just like wealth, race, you know, uh, like uh, location, you know, of of domicile, but also immunity or not immune to uh, to COVID. I thought that was interesting. So I guess in this situation, the super spreader who's busy acquiring all these points <laughs> is doing a should social get good. extra credit for spreading, you know, even more credit for making more people immune. And so it would be like, they'd get all the Just best Just a saint, jobs. a saint. Yeah. yeah, but they wouldn't be immune themselves. Well, would, that's scary. Wouldn't I mean? Wouldn't they eventually become immune? Well, maybe eventually. But you know, actually, there was a story of uh, this uh, Chinese guy in from Wuhan who like had COVID for like a month or more, oh. and ended up spreading it to his family and like friends and things. And he was fine. He was like eighty or something like that. Totally fine. Like nothing wrong with him. His wife got sick. His kids got sick. Like, uh, but you know, talk about feeling like crap. You know, talking like feeling like <laughs> it's a like it's like Midas and the Golden spirit. Touch, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, but way less cool. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, it was scary for a while. People didn't know how it was spreading, how long you could be shedding it. I think we we have a better idea now, but it's still so all over the place. But Here's Wait, enough. for that guy that you're talking about, how did, did he eventually get it? Like, how do they know it was all from him? Yeah, he, he had it, but he was like, uh, it was like a, um, case study from Wuhan. Huh. Um, he had it and people around him kept getting COVID, huh. but so I think they eventually tested him. I, I don't remember everything about it yeah. um, because I think it was a few weeks ago that, uh, I, I didn't even see, I think there, somebody did a case report on it, but I didn't read the case report. I read like a story about the case report. Uh, so yeah. Um, 
But anyway, uh, I think they eventually tested him because all these people around him were getting sick, and then they traced back <laughs> through like, contract tracing. They're like, that, wait like, a minute, that guy over there is looking pretty <laughs> suspicious. Yeah, so they figured that it had been about a month uh, that, based on the people who had gotten sick around him, and that he had just been spreading it to everyone. Wow. Yeah. Let's try this one. What do you say to someone who hasn't had a number two in a week? <laughs> what do you say? What do you say? To Take some Miralax. What do you? Mm, a number two. I mean, you know, when I run across somebody who hasn't taken a number two in a week, it's, it's a tough, tough thing to bring up. You have to set up. Like yeah. I notice. Notice you haven't been to the bathroom lately. <laughs> Is there anything you want to tell me? Well, wait, are they aware that they have not been? Are, like, are you breaking the are news they, that they have yeah. not gone to the bathroom as well as the dangers? Or are they raising the concern themselves? Because those are very different conversations. I'm like, yeah, I guess I haven't taken a crap in a week, huh? Yeah, are so they concerned about it? this at all? What do you say to them? <laughs> Hey, just a phrasing of some of these questions. White powder like, I just crushed up for you. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't ask about it. Just take it. <laughs> phrasing of some of these questions is amazing. Like, you know, I spend when I tap out something, the the, the stupidest text, the most lame post on Facebook, I'm so careful to edit and make sure that I can't be misunderstood or that my meeting wouldn't be twisted or confusing or whatever and then some and then there's like probably 75 percent of the world that's just like banging stuff out on a keyboard with no idea how it is that they're going to be like just perceived letting or, it fly yeah not even yeah. not even wasting time drafting anything fact checking forget grammar it's just out there my, my, well it's different it's different because this is yahoo answers right so it's anonymous True. Yeah, so. but even so, like, if I want a serious answer to my question, I'm going to spend a few minutes <laughs> thinking about, like, how to ask the question yeah. such that I get a good answer. True. I just imagine a bunch of, like, prepubescent kids sitting around the computer trying to come up with, like, <laughs> silly questions and then, like, mm -hmm. laughing hysterically when they wrote that. Yeah. I don't know. It could Maybe be. Yahoo Answers is like the modern version of prank calling. Oh, yes. <laughs> is your refrigerator ready? Yeah. Yeah. I would suggest approaching the question delicately. Because you don't want to you don't want to offend your boss when you're like you know, I mean it's kind of a it's kind of a minefield. You gotta be careful. Here's another one. Last one. Are fractured broken bone screws the same as microchips? Wait, what? What? <laughs> Look, this is a legitimate sure. question. You can't react that way when your patient says, is, is, a, is, a, is a bone screw the same as a microchip, Dr. Lind? <laughs> and you're like, what? Yeah, the only way you're going to get around it is your tinfoil hat. <laughs> Just wrap your entire body in tinfoil. <laughs> <laughs> and make sure you show up to the hospital with the tinfoil so they know what they're getting into. <laughs> I think my first question would be, what are you thinking a microchip is? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me of your understanding. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, we got to wrap this up. 
You guys got things uh, to do with your lives. I've got things to do with my life. That is our show. Aline, Sally, Nick, Emma, thank you for being my co-hosts today. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for having us. And what kind of garbage person would I be if I didn't thank you, Shortcoats, for making us a part of your week? If you're new here, you like what you heard today, hey, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but I think you should subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, and wherever else fun podcasts are available. I remind you that your questions are vital to the show. They mean the show can be what you want it to be about. Be like Logan. Send your questions and comments to the shortcodes at gmail.com, or you can leave us a message at 347-SHORT-CT. We'll talk about it on the show. While your podcast app is open, we hope you'll be kind and... What? We hope you'll be the kind of listener we're always grateful for. Give us some more stars and a review to let us know if we're doing this right. The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine Student Government and ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities Program. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox and our closing music is by Catmosphere. Talk to you in one week.